Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we talk to Ed Tate of BlueBombers.com on the departure of Andrew Harris, the legacy he leaves behind, helping Winnipeg capture two Grey Cup titles. We'll also talk to Murata Tesh of The Athletic about the Winnipeg Jets and their uphill battle to try to get to the playoffs. That's all coming up on the podcast. One of the biggest stories we've seen in Winnipeg in some time is the news that Andrew Harris is no longer here. The legend signing a deal with the Toronto Argonauts after the Bombers could not come to an agreement with the free agent running back. GM Kyle Walters had this to say uh, before free agency began yesterday when asked if he was sad they couldn't find a way to bring him back. It's impossible not to be saddened by it. <laughs> as much as you try to take a business approach end of things, of course. I mean, we've been here together for this long and it's, it's it's a terrible situation for him. Like, you know, we're talking about a Hall of Fame running back, the face of our franchise. And uh, no, I've never been in a situation like this. And so for more on this story and a look back on the legacy of Andrew Harris, we're pleased to be joined by our friend from BlueBombers.com, Ed Tate. Ed, how are you doing tonight? Really good. Christian, how are you, man? I'm doing well. This news uh, didn't catch us by surprise. This had been something that could have been a possibility we, we knew going back to last month when Kyle said that it would be hard to bring all three running backs back to the other two, Johnny Augustine and Brady Oliveira got re-signed, but still nonetheless, this is a, a, a tough day for sure for the franchise and blue bomber fans. Oh, absolutely. The guy, you know, it's, it had been such a compelling story for the bombers and for a Winnipeg guy to lead the resurgence and help end the long gray cup drought. Um, you know, it's a sad day when a guy like that leaves. And you're, you're right, maybe the writing was on the wall, even dating back to last year when when he wasn't playing and we saw Johnny Augustine and Brady Oliveira play, uh, fill in so capably. Um, you know, eventually, running backs in their 30s, they, you know, the teams start to look elsewhere. It's always the younger and cheaper. And I guess in this case, because of his legacy, because of who he is, you wondered maybe if there was a way to squeeze one more year out of this. And I, I know the club tried, um, but uh, Toronto came in with a better offer and you can't uh, deny him or, or, you know, hold him in, in fault for trying to get more, more money out of the last years of his career. Let's go back to the date in February of 2016 when Andrew Harris was signed. The Bombers were coming off another rough season, another lost season, you could call it. And they were 21 and 51 in the four years after they made the Grey Cup in 2011. How much of a big deal was this signing in turning around the fates of this franchise? Well, it, it's everything, isn't it? I mean, it, it's part of the resurgence that, you know, has so many fingerprints on, it. you know, the, the, the work of Michael Shea and Kyle Walters and then, you know, the addition of guys like Jefferson and Big Hill along the way. But I think Andrew was sort of at the forefront of the turnaround. And even that 2016 season, if everybody remembers, the team started off so poorly that year. And then in the game in Edmonton where Matt Nichols got his first start, Andrew rushed for his first 100-yard game as a bomber, scored his first touchdown as a bomber. And you just got the sense that this guy was going to, you know, push, pull, and drag his his team into contention, and that's what happened over time. And it just uh, start adding other pieces, like I mentioned, Big Hill and and Jefferson, and then you know you find people like Brandon Alexander and Jackson Jeffco along the way, and they help build that culture. But Andrew was really the, the center point of it, and 
the centerpiece of it. And it, it's uh, he, he and the fact that he was from Winnipeg and his story before that, you know, coming through junior football, playing high school football here in Winnipeg, just made it that much more interesting, didn't it? Because uh, he wasn't drafted. He wasn't, you know, highly acclaimed coming out of junior or or, or university. He's a guy that, that earned it. And I think that's what endeared him to so many Winnipeggers. And this was a time, Ed, when free agents weren't coming in droves to join the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Absolutely. Absolutely. The big, he was one of the big two that year. Remember Justin Medlock came too. They made him the most expensive kicker in the league. And a, a lot of people rolled their eyes at that. And he won a lot of close games for them too. But, it, and I'm not diminishing what Justin Medlock did, but Andrew Harris is one of those guys that was bringing it on every down on offense, you know, and he did so much as a receiver too. He's such an intelligent player. Uh, and he just, he really, he just willed this team to success and, and that's going to be hard to replace. Um, it's the kind of stuff, you know, Johnny Augustine or Brady Oliveira can rush for a hundred yards, but there's other stuff too that a guy brings in the locker room. And we've seen those clips of Andrew, leading the che- the cheers before a game or his post-game speeches, his speech at the at the Forks after the 2019 Great Cup. That's just a snippet of what he brought every day to the locker room and why he was so respected. Well, and he also was the CFL's leading rusher for three of the five years Absolutely. he was here and, and may have this past year if he stayed healthy, right? Yeah, his, that's the other thing. People forget he, he missed half the season and still rushed for about 80 yards a game, uh, was still a Bombers leading rusher, was still in the top five in the CFL and rushing for a guy that missed half the season. And, in, you know, those who question whether he was in decline or wondered whether he was in decline, just have to go back and watch the tape of that Western final when, when he was running all over uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders to get the Bombers into the Great Cup. And again, in the Great Cup, his last series as a blue bombers was the start of overtime and he had four carries and they just pounded the ball yep. before setting up that throw to Darvin Adams to win the game. But that has Andrew Harris's fingerprints all over it too. So I still think there's some, there's some miles on that, those tires of his. And I think that, you know, if that fire in his belly is still raging, uh, that he can still be successful for Toronto. And it's going to be interesting because I just wish that Toronto was coming to Winnipeg for one game this year so he could get his proper salute from Bomber fans. But uh, Winnipeg is in there on July 4th, so that, that should be a juicy one. And we like to hope, as people that follow sports, watch sports, cheer for teams, for a romantic ending, for the perfect That's ending, right. the storybook close to a career, for a guy to finish with two straight Grey Cups. What we've seen so often in sports, that's just not how it works, right? We are reminded in the end, Kyle Walter said it yesterday, that, you know, it's a business and it's the, you know, cr- crummy part of the business is when these things don't work out in the end. Very few athletes kind of get to step off the stage at the apex. And for Andrew Harris, he feels, and it's, he's totally justified. If he's got more left in the tank, go go play, right? And it's unfortunate, but this is one of the byproducts of a team that's won twice in a row and has already brought so many key players back. There's just only so much money to go around. Yeah, you're right, Christian. The romantic and all of us wants it to end with the, you know, triumphantly with him getting one more crack and the Bombers, you know, doing the three-peat thing and Andrew Harris being a part of that again. But it just doesn't work that way in sports, especially now in the CFL with the, 
you know, the one-year contracts. And every year, the general managers are doing this this dance to make things fit under the cap. You know, in my years covering the Bombers, I can think of Milt Stegall and Doug Brown who were able to retire on their own terms. But, you know, Charles Roberts got traded. Kahari Jones got traded. Dieter Brock got traded. You know, so some of the icons in this franchise's history in the last few decades, uh, you know, exited town uh, on not the best terms, right? And, and I would love it if, if Andrew Harris um, had played one more year with Winnipeg and, and won the Grey Cup again and then picked his time. But it, you're right, it just doesn't work that way all the time. And he deserves a chance to, to go get as much as he can and, and chase it for as long as he can. And unfortunately, that means that it's going to be in another uniform. You've been covering this team a long time. You know the history of this team. Where does he rank in the annals of Blue Bomber legends? Oh, he's got to be right up there, right? I mean, I, I never saw Leo Lewis play. I mean, I've only seen highlights like everybody else. Uh, he's right there. He's a legend. Charles Roberts is the leading rusher of all time. Uh, I, In my books, Andrew Harris is right there with those two guys. Um, he's going to be in the, the Bomber Hall of Fame. He's going to be in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. Uh, he'll probably pass Charles Roberts to move into the top five in CFL rushing uh, all time this year. Um, so, I mean, he's a legend, and he, you know, they might as well start uh, uh, designing his bus for the Canyon Football Hall of Fame right now because uh, he's got a spot there. Uh, and in terms of uh, bomber greats, he's right there along every every one of them. Yeah, no doubt. And the fact that you know he only spent five years here. Not a very yeah. long time in the grand scheme of things, but impact in those five years is incredible, including the two Grey Cup wins. And we can't overlook again, Ed, he's from here. He went to Oak Park. He grew up looking at the Bombers. And to to do this and to end this drought, all the timing of when he was with this team and the turnaround, all of it, you have to look at all of that beyond the numbers. And the numbers themselves are already amazing to say, yeah, this is one of the most impactful free agent signings the Bombers have ever made. Yeah, I've heard it say said uh, this week that he he is the most impactful free agent signing ever, and I'm not going to argue with that at all. Um, his what he brought to the franchise is is remarkable, and and for me, um, the greatest moment of all was the 2019 Great Cup, and I can still I'll never forget him standing on the stage with the MVP trophy in one hand, the most valuable Canadian trophy in the other. Uh, and, you know, then the confetti comes down and they hand out the Great Cup. Uh, if that's not a, a wonderful moment for the Bomber franchise, but for a Winnipeg guy to be at the center of all that, I mean, to me, that uh, that puts him right there alongside the greats and the great moments in this franchise's history. And, you know, a lot of people will talk about Kenny Plain's overtime run in the 1961 Great Cup. That that image for me is right there as one of the greatest in, in Blue Bomber history. And this is a team that's been around since 1930. Well, Ed, uh, your your job's been, I guess, not super taxing the last couple of days with free agency. The Bombers have the one signing of Greg Ellingson. Obviously, you wrote a great piece on BlueBombers.com about Andrew Harris's signing with Toronto and his lasting legacy. But... This is, again, the byproduct of a team that's won back-to-back and signed already so many players that they're just just—they're not going to be making many signings. No, you're right. A lot of the, the heavy lifting was done way before this. The team already had signed 22 free agents. Um, you know, the guys that have hit the market, um, there's, a, there's a couple they mentioned yesterday. Kyle Walters mentioned yesterday that he expects Brandon Alexander to be back. 
you know, some of the other guys have, have moved on. It's just a nature of the business. But, um, you know, I, I see a lot of uh, people out there doing free agent report cards and, and giving, you know, A pluses to Ottawa and BC and Edmonton. And, you know, they deserve those grades. They had a lot of work to do to get better. Uh, you know, I, I think if you go to Vegas and, and look at the, the Great Cup odds right now, that it still have Winnipeg as the favorite, um, even with all this change, be, because of the work that was done leading up to yesterday. You know, you, there's a lot of guys back. This is still a very good football team with the most outstanding player at quarterback in Zach Caleros, the most outstanding defensive player in Adam Big Hill, most outstanding offensive lineman is Stanley Bryant. Those The line of scrimmage is almost the same. And uh, I think that's this team's bread and butter. There's going to be changes. There always is. But this is still a really good football team. Absolutely. I'd appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this. And uh, we'll check in as we get closer to the regular season. Have a good one. Yeah, right on, Christian. Thanks for having me on. Have a good night. Pleased to be joined by a man I like to talk Jets hockey with, Murat Atesh of The Athletic. Excited for a very busy stretch of hockey coming up, Murat? Oh, my goodness. Bring it on. I mean, we've been made to wait for so long. Had that week off after so many weeks off after all of those postponed games. And then all of a sudden the Jets are back and we see them play well for most of 60 minutes. And it's a barn burner. There are three fights. There is a goal from Mark Shifley. We haven't seen too many of those this season. I mean, it could be very exciting down the stretch if we see more of that. Do you like fighting in hockey as a grand question? Um, <laughs> I, I try to to pick my spots about it because I'm a living, breathing human being. So there's a certain amount of intensity and that violence and that physicality that I can't I can't look away from when it happens. So for me, it's really about two people, you know, agreeing to the fight. I hate blindside situations in moments where emotion actually dictates it and i think last night you saw emotion dictated i don't think anything was staged um but you didn't necessarily see everybody as an equal combatant that marcus felino need adam lowry's head at the end of their second fight i mean to me that was gross that was disgusting that's everything that i hate about fighting and stuff like that happening felino also did that jump punch earlier in the season against brendan Dillon. um i believe that was him so there are certain things that I don't like about it. And, you know, certainly everybody would be safer if fighting wasn't a part of hockey. There's that intellectual side of me too. I mean, the most exciting parts of hockey to me are the skill, the speed, the scoring and all those sorts of things. But I've re I've resigned myself to it's part of the game and it may as well just be done properly to my way of thinking, which is emotionally and fair. Fair enough. So what we saw last night, Murat, from a style perspective for the Winnipeg Jets, more of a, grind you to a pulp win two one sort of game is that what they have to do constantly and consistently to become a playoff team well i mean they have to keep a clean zone first and foremost i mean they're not rolling over teams in terms of the offense that they're creating they haven't rolled over teams in terms of flow of play by which i mean they spent a little more time in their own zone you know, even before you get into shot quality and the kinds of shots Hellebuck has faced, they've spent more time in their own zone than in the offensive zone this year. That needs to get cleared up because they do have enough scoring when healthy. Mark Scheifele getting back on the board was a great, great sign. But the Jets don't make things easy enough on themselves to believe that it's going to be all offense, that 
you know, it's just going to be slick passes going east to west in the offensive zone. They're going to need to be able to hold on to, to wins like that. And it did take a Minnesota post. It did take some great goaltending from Connor Hellebuck. It did take an empty net goal to pad things in the end. But, I mean, uh, given where Winnipeg is at and the momentum they're looking for and the idea that they're so far behind, they can only win one game at a time, but they need to play responsibly and then get rewarded and reinforced for that responsible play. That was exactly the win they needed last night. And uh, probably for the immediate term, as they get some sense of momentum, some sense of identity or confidence back in that team. Now your, your recent piece on the athletic outlined all the things that have to go the Jets way in order for them to make the playoffs. There are a lot of things that have to happen. Obviously other teams have to probably help a little bit too, but two things that happened last night were two things in your article. And that was Connor Hellebuck has to be better. And Mark Shifley has to start finishing and it's fitting kind of, isn't it? That Shifley's goal, the only goal on a goalie in the whole game was a bit of a flub. (laughs) Yeah. I see it the same way because, you know, I've been critical of Mark Shifley's defense and there've been some flybys and all those sorts of things. Right. I mean, that's, not necessarily a new story. The new story is that for this season, it's the first time he's ever failed to outscore his problems in his own end. And it hasn't been all from a lack of chance generation. The guys created chances. Winnipeg gets as many shots, creates as many expected goals with him on the ice as ever. And in some cases more than usual, Um, but we've seen him miss. We've seen him misfire. We've seen him not bear down on that chance. And his shooting percentage is, is actually much lower than it typically is, which is also usually a sign of bad luck or just stuff happening. Uh, great saves, as we've seen, that kind of thing. So that he gets kind of off the slump, we'll call it a slump, uh, because it's Shifley we're talking about, gets on the board, becomes a leader in this first game back in this second half of a season that has not gone well for him by misfiring is just pure poetry to me. It was a great pass from Kyle Connor. It was a great play. Uh, but Shifley didn't get all of his one-timer, and I think sometimes that's just how it has to happen. I'm sure it felt great all the, si- all the same to, to see it hit twine when all was said and done. How big of a boost is it to play in front of not a full crowd, 7,000 or so people last night, compared to, A, the nobody, basically, they played in front of for Florida and Vancouver games, but also that was their first time in over seven weeks playing in a home environment that actually had a home environment. That's got to be some kind of boost for a team that's going to be playing a lot of home games in the near future. Yeah, you know, I, I can only go with what they say, right? But And what it feels like to be in buildings that have been raucous in the past. Certainly, you know, the whiteout energy, that playoff energy. They're professionals. Obviously, they're going to give the best that they can on any given night, whether it's 250 people or what have you but they're also human beings and the amount of energy that you can feel from a crowd in any scenario, whether it's public speaking or just the noise that they make for them in warm up, um, let alone playoffs, let alone whatever numbers that they have seen over the various years. I am sure it makes a difference. I am sure that it it fires them up in in a different way. Um, And I'm not sure if it's enough to turn what's been a fairly average, mediocre, below average season, I should say into a successful one, but you like it. You like it to be able to point to, and you like when Blake Wheeler said, talks about how great it is, and you like when, when you like when they show the fans that love, because certainly the fans have, have mostly stuck around and have been through it uh, with the team uh, so far. So let's talk about the kids, because uh, I think last night was maybe one of the biggest impact games we've seen from 
Cole Perfetti and Billy Hanel, especially on that second power play unit. I, I, is this a glimpse into the future, Murata, or is the future now? I mean, in Cole Perfetti's case, the future is right now because he's finding chemistry with everybody, whether it's it was Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor. Um, last night with Andrew Kopp and Kyle Connor, it continued. There was a play at the end of, I think it was at the end of a power play where he found Paul Stastny at the side of the net with what seemed like a no-look, but if you catch it, he shoulder checks about five seconds earlier. Um, that's there for Cole Perfetti right now. Uh, stretch passes to Andrew Kopp, defensive plays. Cole Perfetti had perhaps his best game in the NHL last night. And I think that it's only a great sign, um, you know, for what his stretch run could become. You pair Ville Hanel out of that. And the two of them obviously have chemistry from their time with their, with the moose. They were both offensive leaders. So many plays ran through them, but they have a timing sorted out. Ville Hanel recognizes that Cole Perfetti will see him. He jumps in from the blue line, steps into lanes. Cole Perfetti times that pass. It's on the tape and Hanel ends up in great shooting position. Everything about that speaks to chemistry to me. Hanela got a couple of good looks from Perfetti passes, a couple of good looks independently of Perfetti as well. And, you know, as soon as he gets his confidence going at the NHL level, you know, a couple of those are going to bounce in for him. And, and that part, that Perfetti to Hanela connection, I think that is the future. We're going to see it uh, before too long. Uh, they're going to put up points at the NHL level. Perfetti's here to stay. Hanela, I guess, once Pionk is back and... Stanley is back, or is or is Hanela going to be the sixth guy? Is Stanley lost the spot? I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they they run it. Yeah, I mean, they're at the AHL level. We've seen rotations, three guys for two spots in the past. At the NHL level, we haven't really seen a lot of that from the Jets. Um, it seems that they have a tough time staying healthy enough to get to that point. Uh, but if it was strictly about Stanley versus Hanela, you know, I think that they've they've gone to Stanley so often that they probably would continue to do the same. Um, the only other wrinkle I'll throw in here, uh, I don't expect this is the way that it goes necessarily, but a possibility to keep in the back of our minds. If Winnipeg struggles, falls out of the playoff race and is, is kind of done, well, then these players might be best served as Moose uh, heading into a, a long playoff run because the Moose have done so well this season. And that might even apply to Cole Perfetti, um, which would be a strange turn playing in the NHL as well as he has. It's po- it still seems possible in the back of my mind, given the experience that it, it could be for both those players and more. Or, and this is actually where I thought you were going to go, what if the Jets are out of it, they deal a defenseman or two, whether it's Dylan or... DeMello, I'm not saying that this is going to happen. I'm just hypothesizing here or someone like Schmidt. And that gives a a free space in the NHL for someone like Sandberg once he's healthy or Hanela or even Kovacevic to play at this level full time. At some point, that's happening. You know, there's no way around it. When Kevin Chevaldeau spoke to media today in Winnipeg, I think the summertime challenges he talked about uh, kind of obscurely probably references the fact that Winnipeg's loaded on defense, especially on the left side, and needs to make some room for those prospects, just like you say. Um, and I think if Winnipeg falls apart, uh, you know, falls far out of the race, and, you know, they have plenty of work to do. The odds are still stacked against them, but you can at least make the argument that they exist in the playoff race as of right now. Um, if that changes, which it could, then maybe that, you know, expedites some of those off-season situations uh, in, including moving veteran D to give young D opportunities. And then, of course, the other thing that you'd want to watch out for is the unrestricted free agents like Andrew Kopp, Paul Stastny, and Nathan Bullies. 
So put your prognosticator's hat on, on February 9th, 2022. What do you think happens for the Winnipeg Jets over the next month, and how does that dictate the rest of their season? I think that they have too much ground to cover. I'm, I'm impressed by their game last night. I, you know, I believe in optimism when optimism is warranted and, you know, one strong game is a good sign, but not a season change, I think. So they'll look to build from that. But I just think that there are too many teams. Uh, I believe five is the count. Could be more than that. Too many points between them. Too much point percentage difference. They would have to go on such a tear that I don't see them necessarily making the playoffs this year as we sit today. Um, and I think that it's the size of the push that might dictate how aggressive the transformation is. You know, I don't think being a few points out necessitates those offseason moves being expedited, you know, roster defensemen for futures and things like that to, to make way a roster defenseman for forwards or what have you. I think those kinds of trades can be difficult within a season when the Jets are a cap team and salaries are such a such a concern. But I could easily see, you know, Winnipeg being out of the playoff race and then moving unrestricted free agents. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't even be surprised if, you know, if this is, was Andrew Kopp's last season in Winnipeg, for example, or Nathan Bollies as well. Paul Stassi is certainly a possibility. Uh, that's a lot. But I, I think that those types of players would be at risk if I'm right and they fall out of the race. Got you out of here on this. The job Dave Lowry has done so far this season how would you characterize it? And is it tough to evaluate because of all the roster fluctuations they've had because of COVID and injuries? Well, I think it's, it is tough to evaluate it. Six, seven and two, I believe is his record. That's not an enormous sample size in terms of games. Um, the awkward scheduling of so many games being postponed. You can, you can run through the list and you can make the excuses if you want to, um, I also don't think that Winnipeg has played particularly well at five on five under his watch. So whatever the message is, I mean, they're generating fewer chances and giving up more chances last night accepted than they did under Paul Maurice. And I think that we haven't seen sweeping changes and we haven't seen, um, you know, aspects of Winnipeg's game dramatically improve. Uh, and, and so I think that he's in a position today where, if he's going to be more than an interim head coach, I think he needs his Jets to get more results down the stretch and make a run at the playoffs. Otherwise, I'm expecting a new head coach next season. Right, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this, and uh, we'll check in in a little bit again. Right on. Thank you for having me, Christian. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m., of course. That is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places, I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again. Come on, and thanks for all the fish. So sad that they should come to this. We try to warn you all the